Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wansley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. You know, my friends, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've been helping people to try to understand how to build wealth. And I have to admit to you that along the way, there becomes frustrating times, points where, like one day I just got up and I said, you know, I can't do a radio show. I can't. There's nothing to talk about. I've said it all. You know, if people don't get it, they don't get it, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, hey, I'm doing this because I was blessed in so many ways in life that this is my give back. And I believe that if you don't give back, if you don't have some some of that in your life, then you're probably not going to continue to have that good life. You know, if you don't use it, they'll take it away from you. And so I'm sitting there thinking, how can I get this point across? And I wanted to take it way, way, way back. I'm trying to think, go all the way back to the very, very beginning of what it takes to be rich. And many people, you could say, well, Dell, many people have gotten rich many different ways. Yeah, they may have. But if they really built wealth that lasted, they didn't. And they've only done it one way. Now, there is one other differentiation, and that is generational wealth. Because the way that the original lineage, the, the first generation, made the money may have changed their progression and position in life to where the second generation does it in a different manner. Not because they did something different, but because they're in a different spot in what I call the natural progression of an entrepreneur. And I used to call it the natural progression of a real estate investor, but I realized it's really the natural progression of almost any entrepreneur as to how you become super wealthy. And I'm gonna take it all the way back to the beginning, um, but I'm gonna start with this statement, just to throw this at you. There once was a preacher, or I'm sorry, there was, a, there was a church where they lost their preacher and they brought in a new preacher. And a young guy, very, very well, well versed, 
And he gets up there, and he starts telling his story. And as he tells his story, I'm sorry, it's not tell his story, he's preaching a sermon. And as he preaches his sermon, everybody's pretty excited. Yeah, that's a pretty good sermon. So they can't wait to the next Sunday to hear him again. He comes back, and he gives the exact same sermon again. Now, he does this three or four times in a row by the time the elders of the church bring him and said, you know, we don't know if you even know this or not, but you're giving the exact same sermon every week. And the preacher goes, yeah, I know. And I'm going to keep giving it until you guys get it and start using it. That's such a basic problem in trying to educate people, is that it doesn't do much good if you're not getting it. It doesn't do much good if you're not using it. And so today I thought I'd start all the way back down at the very, very beginning. And this is not simpleton thought process, no. At the very beginning is probably the most complex of all theories in building wealth. Ones that they never taught you in school, I guarantee you. I guarantee you they didn't teach it to you. And I've been teaching it for 30 years, and I'm not saying that to impress you with me I'm saying that to impress you with how important the information you're about to receive is. There's another guy that was a a young preacher who had gone to seminary school and and taught and taught and taught and taught and taught. I'm sorry. It studied and studied and studied and studied. I'm backwards here. And finally got himself a job at a church. And he goes into the church, and he's like the junior pastor, and there's the elder pastor. And this guy gets up there, and he just preaches and preaches and preaches and preaches and gets no response. The senior pastor gets up there and says just a few words, deep, solid, endearing words. And everybody applauds and loses it and gets excited. And this goes on week after week after week where this guy researches and brings out Bible theory and works with everybody. And the old guy just gets up there and says a few words and gets the response. Young kid can't get the response. Finally, he goes to the old guy and he said, hey, how is it that I can know more about the Bible than anyone around? I bring more information to the table every time I speak. And you just go up there and say a few words off the top of your head. And they love it, and I get no response. And the old guy simply looked at the young guy and said, You know, son, here's the difference. Although you know the Bible better than I do, I know the author personally. There's the difference, my friends. I know the author. I know the guy who sat down and figured this stuff out and made it clear. So today, we're going to start. There are copycats of my material all over the country now. Many of them worked for me in the past. Many of them were my members that decided to try to become mentors. But this is the base of everything. My entire thesis is stemmed around a deal. I got the basic outline out of a Stephen Covey book, Seven Highly Effective... um, what I can't remember, what, some, some, seven highly effective people. Oh, seven highly effective uh, rules of what people do. See, that's why it's not even important to me. It's not even the book. It's the idea. And the idea is that many, many people can read that book and tell you all about what's in that book. But I know what I wrote about what was in that book and what I taught from what was in that book. 
In other words, I created something out of the thought processes that were put into that book. And this is the beginning of that thought process. The thought process is it, he calls it, Covey calls it the maturity continuum, and I call it the maturity continuum of a real estate professional or of a real estate investor, or now I'm even calling it of an entrepreneur because really this stuff works for just about anything. So we start out, and there's three levels. And the idea behind Covey's thought process was that people get older, they grow up, but they don't actually mature. And he talks about the three stages of life. The stage number one is called dependency. Stage number two is independency. And stage number three is interdependency. So I morphed this and I said, you know, that's exactly the way it is with business and with people. It really is life that way. And I see it in people the way they try to make money. When we start out in life, we are dependent. The only way we know how to get money is to ask other people for money. You start out as a kid. Mommy, daddy, can I have some money? And at first they just give it to you. You're just, you're, you know, you're just living off of them. And they feel obligated because you're a kid. And we all understand that's not a really relevant point. But the relevant point is you're not doing anything and you're expecting to get something. As you get older, they try to introduce you to the way the, re the world really works, and they go, you've got to do some chores to get your allowance. And each year, then, you try to go back to your parents and get more money. And you start what we call the democratic process. And I call it democratic because it's really the process of a worker, an employee mentality person, the employee mentality person says, the longer I've been with you, the more I deserve. So when my daughter went from 15 to 16 to 17, she'd go, Daddy, it costs a lot more to be 16 than it was 14. I need a lot more things to be 17 than I did when I was 15. Right? Now, if you have a job, what you do is your union goes to your boss and goes, Daddy, it costs more to live today than it did last year. We need more money. And then if you work for the government, you turn everything into COLAs, cost of living increases. So you should, for no other reason than life itself, get paid more money every year. That's called a COLA. And so you spend your life, at this point, asking other people for money. So you know how that sounds, right? That's what you're doing. You're kissing up to your boss, you're kissing up to your parents, you're kissing, because you can't really go and tell them what you really mean because then you won't have a job or you won't have any parents, you won't have anybody to give you any money. You know, dad won't leave you his millions, whatever it is. The bottom line is, is that you are dependent on someone else, whether you're dependent on um, your family, whether you're dependent on your boss, whether you're dependent on the government. It's all the same thing. You're dependent. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsey Radio Show. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're talking about how to build real wealth and become uh, massively wealthy in your future. But first of all, we're going all the way back down to the beginning and talking about how it all starts. And I brought up the point that uh, I see life as a continuum. Uh, your maturity continuum is going to start with your dependent 
part of your life, then you're going to try to become independent, then you're going to try to become interdependent. Most people never get to that stage. So what do I mean by this? Well, when you're young, you first got stuff for free. Then your parents tried to make you do stuff to make money because they were just trying to teach how the world really works. So when you started out, you started out with an allowance and they said clean your room. And then, of course, you wanted more money and you wanted more independence from your parents. So some of you decided, okay, let's look into this concept of how do you make money. This is the part you've got to get. The only real way to make money in your life, the only one, no matter what you think, right, the only way to make regular, reoccurring income that comes in every single week so you can pay your bills, you can live on it the rest of your life, you know it's going to be there, is to do something to help other people. Serve or help other people. So you might start started out as a service performer. You might have mowed yards. You might have delivered newspapers. Or you might have been a little bit more entrepreneurial and you service people by taking some people's trash. I used to go around the trash cans and pull out stuff that was usable, bring it back and have a garage sale and sell people stuff that they want at very low prices. So I was a in-between guy, you know, I was a wholesale retail kind of guy. Um, again, all this type of stuff is just me doing something to earn income later. You know, you get a job working in the movie theaters and usher and, you know, a cashier and all these things, but they're all just jobs. What I want you to understand is, is that that is the beginning concept of how you make money. But for most of you, it's the ending concept, how you make money. So instead of figuring out how to make money in other ways besides just trading time for money, you try to trade time for more money. And we call this climbing the ladder of success. And so what you're doing is you're trying to go from a job that pays 5 bucks an hour to 10 bucks an hour to 15 bucks an hour. And your goal is just to get paid the most you can get paid per hour to do what you do. Later, you may be looking for a salary, which is more consistent, and that is more appealing to you than to have hourly pay. Some of you like commissions, right, because there's possibility you in your own mind believe there's the possibility of making more money. And there is if you don't get in a situation where your boss realizes that you're making money because they're increasing the size of their advertising, their marketing, their business, uh, their overall awareness out there has grown. In that case, there's really no reason you should get paid more money because you have more commissions because it's the production, it's the marketing, it's all that that's making the sales happen, not you. But you don't realize that. Some of you want to get into management. You want to move up the ladder because you like power and you also get paid maybe better to be a manager. Although I've been in businesses where the salesmen get paid more than the managers. But everything you're doing is climbing this ladder of success to nowhere. What I want you to think about, now I want you, I want you to get this visual picture as you're driving in your car, okay? Because it's easy enough to visualize. You're climbing a ladder, at the top of the ladder is something, the success. And each ladder rung is more money. You make more money by going up, 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 up. But what you have to realize is there's 15 other people on that ladder with you. And when you look up, the scenery never changes. There's always somebody above you. And when stuff goes wrong, we all know which way crap goes. It all goes downhill. So the lower you are on the totem pole, the more crap you get every day in your life. You know it. If you're running around right now and you're listening to me, you know that's true. 
You go to work every day and go, boy, I wonder how much crap's going to happen today. What's going to go on? Who's going to blame me for what? What didn't get done? Who's going to come get me for it? Blah, blah, blah. I just wish I could make more money. <laughs> and you take all of the punishment because you want to make more money. You don't want to lose your job. I get that. That's exactly the way you should be thinking at the bottom of the ladder. Right? But does it get any better when you're at the top of the ladder? Well, yes, you have more money, and you're over the top of more people. But now you've got boards of directors, you've got stockholders, you've got, you know, all these people, you've got the stock market, you've got the news reporting people, and even as a leader of a large company, unless you own it all, you're going to get crap. It's just going to keep coming from everywhere and anywhere and all about, but you make a lot more money. So you can buy a lot more pleasing things to make it seem like you're doing better. So you buy all kinds of stuff to appear to be doing better and thinking that stuff makes you happy. Stuff will make you happy if you have time to enjoy the stuff. But if you're still working five, six, seven days a week, you're still working eight, 10, 12 hours a day, you don't have a life. It's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Is the name of my company not because any other reason than it's the truth. More is not better. Better is better. A better life is better than more money. But at this point, you just got a life and work. So what's the next step? The next step is to try to become truly independent, where you don't have a boss telling you what to do. To do that, you have to start your own company. Now, there's double benefit here. One of them is the, the most obvious. You're now in control. No one's giving you a, a, a crap every day. And I hate to keep saying the word crap, but there's just no other way to say it. But I remember when I first quit and I bought all my rent house, I said, you know what? Whether or not every tenant pays me today or not, whether or not anything gets done today or not, or whether or not I go buy one more house, no one's going to care. No one's going to come after me to go make collections. No one's going to come after me to go buy more houses and stay on top and to get ahead and to work harder. In fact, I'm going to figure out how to work less and make more. What a concept. Can you imagine going to your boss? Boss, what I'm trying to figure out how to do is to do very little and get paid a lot more money. Now, your boss isn't going to like that. So what is the second benefit? The second benefit is you can never really get wealthy with a job. Because no matter how smart you are, I don't care if you're, a, if you're a $10 an hour guy or a $10 million a year guy, you working for someone else are deleveraged. In other words, when you go to work, you are producing an amount of services or goods for society. That's the only way you make money, remember, goods or services. And whatever it is you are producing, somebody else is getting paid on it. Right? There has to be enough over you you have to make enough money to pay not only for you, but for your taxes for the government, for a profit for your boss's salary to tell you what to do, for a profit for the um stockholders. You have to pay for the overhead of the building. You are paying for that. They're not paying for that. That's you. It's like my tenants pay for the overhead of my building. I don't pay the mortgage payment, guys. Come on, get a get a life. The tenants pay the mortgage payment. 
Now we have leverage for the first time in our life. We'll be right back with Del Walter Radio Show. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about how to build real wealth. And we're debunking some of the, uh, not really debunking any theories at all, we're building a theory uh, that is based on the concept that there are three ways to make a living, three ways to make money. One of them is dependent, being a dependent working person, an independent uh, owner of a business, or an interdependent, uh, I'm sorry, person, independent, dependent person is working for someone, independent person works in their own business, and interdependent person uh, owns a business and doesn't work in the business at all. So those are the three different ways we make money. But the concept is that you have to mature mentally to be able to do that because most people can never get away from just having a job. So I wanted to make this point. We went to break. I'm going to make it again because it's so important. When you work for someone, you are deleveraged. Whatever it is you are producing on this earth, doesn't matter what it is, your production, I remember when I ran a health club, I was selling about $25,000 a week in membership sales. I was producing for this company $25,000 a week. My pay at the end of all that was uh, about four or $5,000 a month. So whatever that is a week, it's probably less than $1,000 a week. I made them $25,000 a week, and I made $1,000 a week. Now, where did all the rest of the $24,000 go? Well, it went to them. I was deleveraged. I did enough to produce twenty-five thousand in income, but I only got one thousand of it. All right. So now we move on. When you become an independent owner, Allah, when I first bought my first rent house, all of a sudden all that changed. All of a sudden I had leverage. In other words, before when I was working, I was saving my money. I worked hard to make money. I had to live without money to save money, and that was my money. I saved some money, but I didn't earn any money. Now, all of a sudden, what is happening? I buy a rent house, and I use leverage. What does that mean? It means I use somebody else's money to buy the house. I didn't use my money to buy the house. My first rent house I bought, I put $2,000 down. That's all I put down. I put that on a credit card. So I had nothing in the deal. And... The deal made me like $220 a month positive cash flow. But realize this. It was also buying me the house. It paid the mortgage. It bought me the house. And I bought the house for $25,000 when the house was, had originally been built for $50,000. So I bought the house 50% discount, which later came back right away. A year or two later, it was worth $60,000, $75,000. Eventually, I sold it for $100,000, but I bought it for twenty-five. So I made massive, massive wealth with this purchase. But what I want you to understand was is that I still worked on my business and in my business. I would rent the houses, right? I would rent them, and I would oversee the maintenance. But now I had leverage. Now I had painters and carpet cleaners and people that did the work. I wasn't doing the work. I was managing everything. Well, when I was in corporate America, I was the manager of a location and then eventually a supervisor of multiple locations. And I managed things, right? But they weren't my things. I didn't, get, I didn't get rich by managing things. Now I'm putting in a small amount of time to get this house up and rent it. Then I don't even see it. I do, you know, maybe five minutes of accounting at each house. In other words, deposit a check each year or each month. 
at the end of the year, turn all that over my CPA. So I'm not doing any of the work per se. Very little. I am leasing because at that time I still did lease my own rent houses. That is, in a way, what you say is I now had the leverage of all those other people. I had realtors finding me deals. I had mortgage people giving me money to do the deals. I had contractors doing the work on the deals. Uh, I could have had a leasing company lease my properties. I just preferred to put my own people in there at the time, right? I learned better on that. I learned to do that differently later on. Uh, And so you see all the leverage I had. And because I had leverage, I could have unlimited numbers. I realized when you work, if you make widgets for a living, let's say that you're a steel worker or a plumber, you can only plumb so many houses per day. You can only work so many hours. But when you are an entrepreneur and you are independent, you now have the resources to go and build that wealth as far as you want to build it. I got up to over 100 houses at one time. And even then I did very little. I remember I used to sit around with my friend and we would play Pac-Man and we would play uh, Doom and Quake and all these online games because we had nothing to do, right? I started Lifestyles because I had nothing to do. And so I felt like at least I can sit around and talk to somebody about something because I was retired at 34 years of age. There wasn't anybody to play with. There was no time, very little time spent on doing this. I find another house. I didn't find it. The realtor found it. They'd say, I got one for you. I'd say, okay, let's look at it. We looked at it. Okay, so now I had two hours in the deal, right? Okay, I'll buy it. Mortgage guy gets the money. Agent does all the work, close the deal. Contractor comes in, does the work. Boom, I lease the house. It's over. It's another one making me money for the rest of my life. Now, that amount of leverage allowed me in two and a half years to retire from corporate America. But here's where you got to get this keep in mind. When I was in corporate America, I was working to put food on the table and gas in the car, right? Pay my utility bills. I saved because I worked and I lived below my means and I saved a little bit of money that was then leveraged up. I never would have got rich with the little bit of money I could save, but it was the leveraging of money that got me wealthy. And without leverage, you'll never get there. Even if you went out on your own, I see a lot of people make the mistake. I'm a painter. I'm a darn good painter, darn it. And so they start their own paint company. They don't have any idea how to run a company. And there's so many people out there that believe, if I don't do the job, it won't get done right. It's that kind of arrogance will keep you poor because you will always be doing the job, and the job only pays whatever the job pays. And there's only so many hours in a day to do whatever it is you do. So the first step is to become independent. Have your own business of some kind to where all the leverage of the business can make you rich. Uh, there was a show on TV. I God, I hope I can remember the name of it. It was something like, um, it was about people that had become millionaires as small business people. And they had ridiculous jobs. Like one was the lady was a trash company. She owned a trash company. Other people, you know, they had all these different jobs. But what it was is entrepreneurs that owned their own business and became millionaires owning their own businesses. So whether it's a business, whether it's real estate, whatever it is, if it's done correctly, you'll work in that business to develop that business. The business gets large enough and you'll get rich. But you're still working in the business. The hardest thing to do is to get out of the business. The easiest way to get out of the business is to start not being in the business at all, which brings us to the third level, which is called interdependence. This is where you build a company. Right from the scratch, you build a company, and the company 
has an org chart. And every position is filled with a body. But none of those bodies are you. You always want to insert yourself somewhere to be some part of it, to give it something for you to do where you don't feel like you're earning the money. You don't, Many of you don't even believe you deserve to be rich unless you work and work and work and work and work. Some of you just don't even want to go home to your wife. <laughs> Some of you don't want to go home to your husband. Some of you just hate your kids, whatever it is. You just want to work and work and work. But if you get past that kind of little irony, you come to the point that at some point in life, more money doesn't make it better because there's no time because you're killing yourself in that business. And I know there's thousands of you right now listening right this moment that are in that business. You're in that position. You've got a business. If you do well and work hard, you make money. If you don't do well, you don't make money. And, you know, COVID has hurt you guys the most. It has annihilated you, right? Because you can't work, you can't earn money. Now, let's talk about the third level. The third level is interdependent, where you start something from the very beginning you don't work in. So I buy an apartment complex. Broker finds me the deal. I don't do that. Mortgage guy says we can buy it. I don't do that. Uh, Inspector tells me what's wrong with it. Contractor tells me how much it costs to bring it back to where it needs to be. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Right? Here's the beauty. Now... The mortgage guy is going to give me 80% of the money to do a deal, but I don't even have to put up the 20%. Now I go, hey, you know how good I am at this business, right? Yes, we do. You know I've made millions for myself doing this business, right? Yes, we've seen that. How would you like to be my partner? How would you like to put some money in this deal? Yeah, could I? Yeah, you don't even have to work. I don't have to work? No, you don't have to be a partner. You can be an investor. And that means you don't have to do anything. I will send you checks in the mail. On time. Oh, my gosh. So now somebody else puts up the money. And now you own these giant syndications and these start small deals and medium sides and large deals. And all of a sudden, you're making millions and millions of dollars a year, and you're not even doing the work because now you have a management company. And whereas before you hired, fired, and trained the staff, you don't even hire and fire and train the staff anymore. You've got a supervisor that hires, fires, and trains the staff. In the beginning, your first deal, you might hire, fire, and train the staff. But by the time you get to your second or third, there's no two of you to go around. You can't be at two places. So now you have to have a supervisor. Now you have to have a company. And now you can retire. Take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about what we call the maturity continuum at Lifestyles. It's the concept that people may grow older, but they don't change what they do, and they end up being uh, stuck in a job the rest of their life and dependent on other people and other biz- other people, other businesses, governments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and really never have true freedom. And you can't have financial freedom if you don't have freedom itself. So the next step is going to be to become independent, start your own business. There's lots of little businesses you can start, but we believe real estate's the best one to start. And if you listen to me for the last 30 years and keep listening, you'll hear it a hundred times why real estate's the best investment and the best business. But the concept, the real concept you have to get is the only way you make money is to do something that serves or helps other people in some way. And uh, you have to produce something. 
goods or services of some kind. So a business, to start your own business, has to produce goods or services. Now, the challenge is if you start a business that can't be leveraged, you can't produce any more goods or services than you could when you were by yourself. The one thing you will find out, though, is you're not deleveraged. So if you go out there and you you bring in $100,000 worth of sales, you get $100,000 worth of sales if you're the, the only painter you have. But you'll never make more than 100, and 100 is probably more than when you were getting paid 50 to make them 100. But the bottom line is to become interdependent to where you create a company where you no longer do the work in the company at all. You own the company. So what does somebody do who owns companies? I mean, there's no org chart. There's no thing to get up and go to work and do this. So I'll give an example of my wife. Before when I met her, she was working uh, in the real estate business. I hired her. She was a supervisor. And as a supervisor, she took over my job. I no longer had to hire, fire, train staff anymore, period. That's it. And as a supervisor, um, she really was responsible for everything. I didn't have to do anything anymore. And so that was my the point where I realized a supervisor was better than a manager. I had managers at every location, but I now had a supervisor, okay? Now, take it one step further. Now... She's part owner in the project, so she is not deleveraged anymore. She makes money off of not only her work, but also her ownership in the project. But the amount of time and effort and energy she puts into things is next to nothing. Um, she she does more than she should, by the way, just because she's just that way. She's one of those kind of people that have to have her finger on everything. She's a control freak. But but the bottom line is, like, what typical type of things? I don't do anything. Let's just put it that way. I'm, I'm apartments we own, I do nothing. I have somebody that is in charge of every apartment we own, and I do nothing on six apartment complexes. But in her particular case, the one that she likes to run is her baby. Uh, she's going to go out there today, and she's going to give Christmas bonuses. Take them to lunch. Tell them how great they did. Two months ago, when COVID had decimated most of the apartment complexes because they weren't allowing anybody to evict anybody, everybody was losing occupancy. And I simply sat down as the owner and spoke with her as the other owner, and we said, you know what, we gotta change the marketing plan. And uh, I want you to go on out and sit down with the girls and change the marketing plan. They changed the marketing plan, two months later we went from 87% occupied to 97% occupied, and this morning when we're sitting there having a cup of coffee and she's getting ready to take these Christmas bonuses out, I was signing the checks, I said, you know what, let's do this. And I gave her another secret marketing tip for a Christmas special to go from 97% occupied to 100%. I said, I, I, by the first of the year, I want every unit full. And we, we look at the financial statements together, and we say, wow, look at that. We've really increased this. We've really decreased that. We've done a good job here. We've done a poor job there. That's it. The kids get up and go to work every day, run the company. And I call them kids, but they're anything, anybody under 65 to me is a kid. But they're younger folks. They run these businesses. Uh, I'm too old to run a business. I can't get out there. I can barely get out of bed sometimes. Ha ha. You you say, Dill, ha ha. I'm 65, 70, still working. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't listen to me 30 years ago, and then you wouldn't be working right now. So what is the last beauty of the business concept? The business concept beauty is that you could go away on vacation, and your business is still going to run. If you are a independent business owner, and you work in your business, if you go away for a long time, your business is going to suffer. But if you're an interdependent business owner and you don't have a job 
there's nothing on the org chart for you to do. You being gone means nothing, which means you can take month-long, year-long vacations, whatever you want to do. The money's coming in the mail. Boom, that's it, right? You're probably going to want to look at your taxes once a year, your insurance once a year, the stuff that's important to you, the big, the big ticket items. Uh, you want to be on top of your you know, financials on a monthly and quarterly basis just in case something weird comes up and see it that they can't see because they're not looking at the numbers like you are. And that's it. What is the real beauty? The real beauty is there's no limit to how many of them you can buy. In just the last two months, I told you I bought three more. And update on that, one of the three fell out during due diligence. Found some stuff that was really nasty about it. The seller hadn't told us. And so we got out of that deal. We still have two. Now, both of those two were supposed to close in December. And as it always works out, in the holidays, they're both getting pushed off the 1st of January. Um, that's fine. Starting next year, I'll have two more businesses. You know, and next year, I'll go out and buy two more or three more or whatever. I usually buy two or three a year and just keep adding to it. But I don't do any more work. I, I like looking at businesses. I like buying businesses. Um, I don't like selling businesses. I don't like losing the income, and I don't like other people asking me to tell them what I'm doing. I'd rather just keep it and make money. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that you just keep getting more and more and more and more wealth, building more and more wealth, but not building more and more and more responsibility. That's the ultimate secret here, my friends. Leverage. If you get one word out of today's conversation, let it be leverage, because that's what you need. You need leverage. You need to learn to use other people's time, other people's money, other people's credit, other people's knowledge and skills, so you don't have to use yours. What is your only one important skill? The ability to use leverage. The ability to bring together these resources and components necessary to put the project together and to hold it together outside of the project, not inside the project. Now, your first step, if you're out there, you got a job, let's get you a rent house, let's get you a you know, fourplex, let's get you a little 10 unit, and let's you learn how to run a business that you work in. Learn it from the inside out, get to know what it is, and then, when you're ready, let's take you all the way for the home run. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. For listening to the Dell Monsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Monsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation.